Greetings and salutations, sports and wrestling fans all across the wide, wonderful, and beautiful internet, not toxic internet at all during this wonderful time of year as we are less than uh, a week until election day. It's not toxic at all here on the interwebs that Al Gore obviously invented. But uh, anyway, it's time for another glorious edition of the Man in the Arena podcast. And of course, it being college football season and we're right in the thick of it, here with the Tennessee Vols, it's time to bring in my good buddy Trey Pack. As always, Trey, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Happy to be back. Uh, it's it's been a year so far, Chandler, and you're right, man. It's definitely the weirdest, probably the weirdest time uh, ever, in my opinion. You know what I mean? It's definitely the weirdest right now. Oh, you have no idea. It is just one of the every day. It's just like you wake up. And it's like, what's going to happen now at this point? And it's just like, eventually we got to stop the bleeding and we're just not. Yeah, we're, we're not it. One of these, you know, one of these years we're going to do this podcast and Tennessee's just going to be in the top 10 and we're not even going to be worrying about most of these games and it's just going to be happy. We're going to be like, remember when we were sad all the time? Well, I couldn't imagine being, uh, you know, being an Alabama guy, like if we were Alabama fans, what would we talk about? Yeah. Oh, we went out there this week and we beat the hell out of Tennessee. Who to thunk? Have you, one of my uh, favorite internet things I like to watch, even though he's an Alabama fan, he's this guy, uh, funny main. He's got this web, uh, web series called how Alabama fans watched, uh, the sec games for this week. And he just makes comments about all of them and everything like that. It's really good. He's really funny. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I know who you're talking about. He is super funny. But like he's even – that's what I'm saying is that Alabama fans are so bored that they have to, like, be really into other SEC games. Yeah. Which, whew, boy, I wish we could have that luxury at, with Alabama. Uh, Tennessee losing, I believe, their 14th straight to the Crimson Tide, 48-17. to 17. So, again, no cigars for Tennessee fans again as Tennessee just – wasn't even really in this game for much of it. Mac Jones passing for 387 yards, really not even breaking a sweat through most of that. Najee Harris, 96 yards, three touchdowns, and most of those he did barely had to do any work from the one-yard line. Um, so Alabama, even losing Jalen Waddle, which, by the way, that was heartbreaking to see him go down with that injury on the opening kickoff. Oh yeah, it's just it's the worst, man. I mean, especially in a game, and, and you know, I, I'm always gonna pick us, but like you know, I knew waking up Saturday morning that we didn't have a chance. But I mean, it happened. The same thing happened last year with Tua against them, man. It's just uh, you go into these games, even though you, you know you know your team's gonna win, but it could hurt you in the long run, and it's it's just a nightmare to see. And what really sucks too is, well, it didn't suck, but it was the way. Nick Saban got a lot of flack, I guess, for what he said at halftime, saying he shouldn't have brought it out. But he even then went back on it saying, but he's such a playmaker, you usually want to give him that opportunity. So I don't really think Saban was throwing shade on Waddle for doing it. But of course, everybody's going to overreact, and Alabama fans right now have nothing else to react about. Right. Meanwhile, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it just goes to show... Every SEC fan base is insane. Any Alabama yeah. fan that has a negative thing to say about Nick Saban is an insane person. Yep, I agree. Meanwhile, of course, Tennessee continues their struggles on offense. 
mean, Garantano had, he was 13 to 24, 162 yards, two touchdowns. And both of those, I mean, those were great passes, but that was really about it. Most of what it seemed like the struggles were, were some of the play calling that Tennessee had where it's like, why are we making some of these decisions that we seem to be making? It was just frustrating all over because Tennessee, I thought, had some chances to at least make this game somewhat interesting through most of it. Even after we would score, we didn't really do an onside kick after the first touchdown, which I figured was something we should at least try. And then, of course, we received the second half kickoff and then fumble it immediately for a scoop and score, which was pretty much it by the end of it. Yeah, man. And you know how much I love conspiracies and, and, well, you know, we, we used to do the whole show, you know, you know, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, man, as much as I love it, it, but I don't know, maybe I'm biased. There's something up with our play calling Shibley that I don't know if there, if there's some sort of quarrel between Chaney and Pruitt, or if Pruitt's just got too much of his, you know, of his hands in the offense and Chaney's just like, fine, like we'll do whatever, you know, you call the plays or whatever. But brother, we, it, I think it was something like, I, I can't remember. It was like, we had like 20, whatever, third down plays, 14 of our third down plays were runs. Like third and seven, third and eighth, you know, third and passing as they say. Yeah. And we're running the ball. Now, and we were successful on a few of those, but it's like, you know, the success came from the shock of Alabama's defense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, why are you running the ball? Okay, whatever. And then you look at Tennessee for a lot of these, and I mean, it's been that way all season. We get third and two, and we're throwing the ball, which is always weird to me sometimes, where I'd rather just have us roll up our sleeves for the most part. Now, if you want to mix in a play action or something there, knock yourself out, but I still think the way our offensive line should be, we should be able for the most part to get two yards, you would think, for the most part. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you, man. It, that That's what I'm saying. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't make any sense the what our play calling is, the way it's going, especially in those, you know, pressure situations like third down. And we're just really just doing nothing. It drives me nuts, and I just, again, we look at what the statistics are, at least for Tennessee, going into the season. And again, this is, we're halfway through the season, which is weird because the Big Ten is entering week two, and we'll talk about the Big Ten here in a little bit. But Tennessee is two and three at the halfway mark, which is definitely not what we were expecting. Now, I was expecting Tennessee to be at 3-2. and two. I mean, the only the only different game was the Kentucky game. I mean, I had Tennessee losing to Georgia and Alabama, not maybe as beatdowns as they were, but it, we're coming into this point where we've got a bye week, so Tennessee's not playing, so we don't get to make crazy predictions, at least on the Tennessee game. But we're at the halfway point here with a bye week, and we've got five games left as Tennessee is Arkansas, at Arkansas, home against a much better Texas A&M team than I think a lot of people did, on the road at Auburn, on a who's just living right in all three of their wins that Auburn's had. Uh, and then you, so- yeah. And then you've got Vanderbilt, who that 
even Tennessee in their worst year is not going to be as bad as this Vanderbilt team is going to be, I don't think. And then we still wrap up against Florida. So, I mean, if Tennessee is going to get back in at least to a 5-5, five and five, you're going to have to win three of these games. And besides Vanderbilt, I don't see another win, at least from a complete confidence standpoint, because I think Arkansas is a better team. Uh, then a lot of people, obviously, they're two and two. We both had them going zero and ten with Vanderbilt. I know it's exactly. It's just the weirdest, you know, the weirdest year ever. Um, and some, you know, some teams are capitalizing, and some aren't. Like Auburn, it is so sick the, the way they've won their past three games. Um, and then you also have a team that we, you know, with Arkansas that we were certain was going to be terrible, uh, and they've got the same record that we do right now. Arkansas is two and two, so they've they've got Arkansas, one less game. They have a by percentage, they have a better record. They do, yeah. So, I mean, the big question is, of course, with Tennessee, who is going to be your quarterback going forward? You've got five games left, and again, everybody needs to keep in mind there's no eligibility loss this season. It's essentially a free year for everybody. So Tennessee's had, they've played four quarterbacks. They've played all four of them at this point. Garantano, of course, has played the most. And then Maurer got in through one pass in the, uh, in the game against Alabama. But then JT Shrout and Harrison Bailey both played against Kentucky. So the question is, who's going to be under center for Tennessee going forward? Man, I... It, this has been the question that is plaguing everybody in Tennessee, man. I mean, mm-hmm. it's you know my pick. I'm a big Mauer guy. Uh, I think he's got all the potential in the world to be the next Manziel. Um, you know, apparently he's not showing that in practice. But Shibley, we're talking about practice. Yep. Not no game. Practice. You you got to do anybody but Garantano at this point. I mean, he's proven, you know, Pruitt's favorite thing to say is that he gives us the best chance to win, and he has proven and proven and proven in games he's not he can't be. If that is our best option to win and he plays like that in games, I don't care how the kid practices. Eventually, the, you know, they say that there are players that are that when it's game time they're on and, and they suck in practice. It's an anomaly, but you got to take a chance. Yeah. I mean, at this point, any any anybody but Garantano would be an improvement. And you're absolutely right. Losing the year of eligibility or not losing the year of eligibility, Chibley, if we don't send that message to Garantano now that he's not going to be the guy moving forward, I don't know if you realize this, but he's not going pro. Yeah. He will be back. Yeah, he'll be a six-year senior, just like so many of the other... I mean, of course, we've made jokes about this. Brandon Kennedy's going to have to start doing PhD-level classes to keep his eligibility uh, as as many years as he's had. And again, you've got... Yeah, you've got a whole extra bye week to kind of figure this out, which hopefully they will when it comes to this. And again, I, I, I almost leave it as an open competition at quarterback... And, again, I still think if you really – and Pruitt seems to be married to Garantano when it comes to a lot of these decisions, it would almost be something like last year where you start Maurer 
or you start Bailey, you start one of the other guys, and then have Garantano coming off the bench, which right. worked exactly. in the past. Right, exactly, man. And we've we've talked we talk all the time because me and you are, are you know poker players. We talk about you know being profitable over time, making profitable yep. calls over time. Yeah, it, it's super unconventional to have a closing quarterback. Yeah, you may be the only team in the country that's doing that. But, hey, you won your last five games of the season last year doing just that. Yep. So, hey, until you can train up this Bailey kid or Maurer or Shroud really takes the job, let's do what has proven to work as opposed to what has clearly proven to not work. Not just this year, but the past few, couple years. Garantano is not a starting quarterback. Maybe he's a closer. I don't know. But, I mean, we got to do something else. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And, again, you've got this bye week. And, again, I still think one of the things that really sunk the Butch Jones era, I mean, there was a lot of things that we could get into and talk about it. But I really think, I know at least two consecutive years, Tennessee had a bye week going into the South Carolina game that Tennessee really needed to win. And just couldn't do it for two straight years coming off a of bye week. So it just shows that bye week is really important. And if you can capitalize on it, I mean, Tennessee could have a great second half to the year. Because again, you look at their schedule, I don't see any you know, any guaranteed wins besides the Vanderbilt game. But also, depending on how, if Tennessee comes out and plays like they did against Missouri, and Missouri's not a terrible team. We've seen they beat Kentucky last week, for crying out loud. Right. So you you see it that all these games could really also be winnable. I mean, Texas A&M's good. I don't know how great they are. They are coming to Neyland Stadium. And, of course, the Florida game is always going to be a big rivalry game. So those games are up there and for the taking for Tennessee. Yeah, exactly, man. How many times have we been going into a second half of the season – with, you know, looking at, oh, we could potentially win all of these games except maybe one. Like the yeah. Florida game is going to be super tough depending on where they're at by then. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They, you know, they've started off really hot, but they may not end hot. So we'll have to wait and see there. But the rest of those games, man, uh, in the beginning of the year, I would have said we were the favorite to win four out of the last five. You know, obviously now, not so much, but – uh, I definitely think that um, we're, we're poised to to have a great second half of the year. It's just a matter of, like you said, coming out of this bye week um, with, with a fire under our ass and a different mentality. Yep. I completely agree. And, I mean, again, quarterbacking is the big thing that Tennessee definitely needs improvement if we're looking at, you know, midterm grades because this is, again, I guess the midterm show <laughs> for the Tennessee season. What else do you really think Tennessee needs to really improve on going into the second half? Um, I mean, I hate to sound like a broken record, man, but I think play calling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, get it together. Be, we got to be more cohesive. And if nothing else, do something that makes sense. <laughs> like, I'm just so tired of watching our games and, you know, getting, you know, half through the third quarter, and I'm like, why do we look like a single A high school team right now? Like you know, we're not we're not as talented as as some of mm-hmm. the Butch teams were, but it feels like we're j- just as poorly coached. Yeah, and and that's what's frustrating to me. 
I'm I'm gonna do this. It's an either um, here or there kind of, or an if and and kind of thing for me when you talk about improvement. I think Tennessee needs to improve on their pass rush. I think the defensive line needs to get better. We've already fired a defensive line coach, so we'll just kind of see where it all goes. But if Tennessee is not able to get that pressure on the quarterback or get something resembling penetration to clog up running lanes or, again, disrupt the passing game, Tennessee's linebackers have been so aggressive, it just leaves the middle of the field so wide open. We've been just destroyed up the middle so many times on pass plays. Tennessee's got to figure that out as well on the back end. Right. It's been so, I feel like there's so many weeks in a row that, like, you know, and I've not watched any kind of serious, you know, sit down and watching game film. And, oh, yeah. But I, I can watch, I've watched our games one time and been like, oh, just run a slant. Like, just run a slant. Yeah. What else would you need to do? Or run the old tight end just straight up the middle. Uh, what is that? A smash play? Whatever they call that. Where right. The t- exactly. Yeah. The Witten special where he just ran up the middle. Those were great back in the day. Right. It's just like, what? I don't know what else. It's so obvious. We're mm-hmm. so easy. We're so easily being beat on defense in, in the middle of the field for us to have a quote unquote defensive minded head coach. Yeah, I agree, and that's been very frustrating. Does it come down to execution of what the coach is telling you, or you know what I mean? Like it's, I don't know, man. But you're in your third year. We got to be deep enough at this point that if somebody's not executing, you got to have a second option. Yeah, got to get people in there. And again, I know certain things have been changed and depth wise because of the COVID outbreaks and everything. But still, you need to do something, and it. They've got a week to figure it out, or else this Arkansas game could be really telling when it comes to what the future holds for this coaching staff in a lot of ways, which I don't like to say because I like Pruitt overall, but I mean, you had a year where everybody was expecting improvement, especially going into how we ended last season, and people haven't seen it. Yeah, man, I, I think, let me ask you this. What would have to happen uh, this by the end of the season, uh, in your opinion, for them to get rid of Pruitt? Honestly, I really think if you if the only win you get is against Vanderbilt in this back half of the season, I think you might have to make a change at coach. Like it might take that. I think Tennessee is going to have to do. They're going to have to win at least one or two other games besides Vanderbilt. I think if they win at least one and get you to a four and six, which still is not phenomenal, especially going into this season. But I think Tennessee's going to have to beat one of these teams. And and besides the Vanderbilt game, I think Tennessee's going to be an underdog in the other four games. I think Tennessee's going to have to beat one of them. Yeah, that I not any normal year I would agree with you. But I think with COVID, man, I think we – if we drop all five games, if we lose to Vanderbilt, I promise you we'll be searching for another coach. That is, yeah. I think it's a given. Um, but, yeah, I mean, four and five on a normal – or a, a losing four of the last five on a normal year, yeah, I think you get rid of him. But with COVID, he has an excuse. Even yeah. if it's a, not a great excuse, there is yeah. still that excuse there. Um, but man, I think there's potential 
if we go out and Arkansas beats us by three or four touchdowns, I I don't know, man. It'd be it'd be I'd be hard pressed. I would love to know Fulmer's thoughts yep. if we go out there and lose. I'm saying we lose like twenty eight to three against Arkansas. I, I don't think I don't think Coach Cheney makes it back. Yeah. I mean, I think you know we got somebody else calling the plays next week. No, you're not. You're not wrong with that. And of course, what's adding more fuel to this fire, at least nationally, I don't think it's gotten that much traction here in Knoxville. But one of the big things that people have been pointing at is the fact that Rutgers, coached by Greg Schiano, beat up on Michigan State last week winning 38-27. to 27. Now, again, Michigan State is going through a transition, but Rutgers hasn't won a Big Ten game in like three years. So people are pointing at that. Now, again, who knows where Rutgers is going to be going through the rest of this Big Ten schedule. Right, man. It's just like Tennessee fans, man. I, I've seen that on Twitter. I've seen it everywhere. Yep. It's just like Tennessee fans to look and, and just uh, – it just drives me crazy. The man won one football game. Yeah. And hey – Guess what? We didn't necessarily not want him because he wasn't going to be an okay coach. He may be a decent head coach. He may coach for the next – he may be the next Joe Paterno. Oh, wait, that's where he was before, which is why we didn't want him. Yeah. Man, anybody involved in that kind of scandal at all, you just keep away from your program. I mean, I've said this – of course, I've said this before. To me, the the – the Paterno stuff and the Penn State thing really wasn't it for me. I just thought he was not going to be a, a good fit down here in the SEC. That was my just whole thing. That was just the way to get him out the door and get everybody else to pay attention to it. So, Right. I 100% agree. Um, 100% agree. I don't think he would have any I – I, I don't think he'll have long-term success at Rutgers. Yeah, Because that's where he did have his success to begin with. But, again, Rutgers – in the Big East is not Rutgers in the Big Ten. so Big difference. Yeah. It's just, again, their first game, and people were paying attention to that because they beat Michigan State, which has usually been a very good, solid Big Ten team, while Tennessee is losing again to Alabama in a big way. Right. I was going to say, well, yeah, Michigan State's been a really solid Big Ten team the same way that, like, Tennessee has been a big, solid SEC team. It's, like, not in a minute. So, at least, I mean, Michigan State a few years ago did make the college football playoff. So at least they've gotten somewhere that Tennessee has not. But it, yes, the hell, who who killed them in the first round of the playoffs that year? Yeah, it was either Alabama or Clemson. I'm sure I'd yeah. have to look at it, but it was one of those. I'm sure they got in there with some killers, and it wasn't wasn't the same game. Yes, they did not have their big boy pants on when they played that game. Uh, meanwhile, again, yeah, looking through the rest of the SEC, at least last week, you had, again, Auburn Ole Miss, where, again, I I don't know how Gus Malzahn is living right, but he is, man. It, it seems like every, every win that Auburn has had this season, something has happened that's just bounced Auburn's way. They had that call. They didn't call it a touchdown against Kentucky, which from – any idiot's standpoint was obviously a touchdown. And then you had the backwards spiked ball against Arkansas, which should have been ruled a fumble. And then you have the kick return that looked like they didn't even look at it 
And again, you could flip a coin on that to see if it was going to be a fumble or not, but at least you should have taken a look at it. Lane Kiffin is rightfully upset, and I think the fine, I wouldn't have been surprised if all the fans like chipped in a dollar for that $25,000 fine the SEC gave him for that. Oh, man, that's so crazy. It's insane. I feel like, I mean, they're not the only like non-disclosure type, you know, you can't badmouth the conference whatever you can't you can't disclose a conversation that you have with sec officials that is so dumb because it just gives them anonymity to do to make terrible mistakes with really no repercussions because i promise you sec refs have been bad for a long time but granted all refs are bad uh for the (laughs) most part not all but most um you know there's not a great ref there's not been a great referee crew in college and decades yeah but i mean the sec is is notoriously bad and now you you tell your coaches like a coach literally comes out and says i cannot i'm so angry but i cannot tell you what they just told me i wish i could and they're like ah well that was close enough to you telling them it's like he literally said i can't tell you yeah yeah i don't know man the sec is just you were talking about dropping the ball in 2020. The SEC has done it numerous times. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll get to another uh, conference that might be dropping the ball here in a little bit, but just kind of finishing up what we're talking about with the SEC. I mentioned this earlier, Missouri beating Kentucky, where you had Tennessee's offensive line dominated Missouri and pushed them around, but then Kentucky just pushed Tennessee's lines around. And now Missouri goes and pushes Kentucky's lines around. It, it makes no sense. It, that's how crazy 2020 has been. And, of course, LSU getting back on track in a big way, beating up on South Carolina, who, of course, beat Auburn the week before. It's a crazy year. Yeah, Just it makes, everywhere. It makes, it makes no sense at all. And and, and, and what I, that's what's been the most frustrating is that in the craziness, Tennessee is just, you know, sitting in Knoxville, Still being bad because we can't find a quarterback. Like, let's have fun. Let's get in the mix. Yeah. Get out there and do something. Exactly. Yep. Meanwhile, you look at the rest of the world of college football. This is what's kind of heartbreaking. Not really heartbreaking, but it just kind of bums me out. Was the Big Ten finally started their season. And it started on Friday night with Wisconsin just beating the tar out of Illinois, 45-7. to And you have maybe Wisconsin actually having their best quarterback since Russell Wilson played there with Graham Mertz going 20-21 of 21 for 248 and five touchdown passes. And everybody's just ready to say, hey, maybe, I doubt it, but maybe they could give Ohio State a run for their money. But then Graham Mertz, test positive for COVID-19, and it looks like it's actually spread throughout Wisconsin's football program. Even their head coach contracted COVID because now, and these have all been confirmed cases, they're not false positives that they were thinking they might be, but now Wisconsin's had to cancel their game against Nebraska this week. I know. it's, It's insane the amount of preparation the Big Ten had. And not only the preparation, but they were able to see how other conferences have done it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? They hey, the SEC is we've had like what one game canceled, and like this is the, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. Uh, you know, shit happens. Yeah, uh, but 
like for the most part, we've been super successful in, in keeping these games going. And the Big Ten plays one game, and the whole team has COVID. Yeah. It's now like, again, in Wisconsin, the coronavirus is is spiked even worse than it has in this state. Really, when you look at it. So, I mean, it's it, it's a it's an awful situation. What I guess is kind of frustrating to me, in some ways, is you would think they'd have a way to move these games around a little bit. Whew. So. Yeah, I mean, you you would think, one would think, but it's like the where the Big Ten is starting so late, they were in such a, you know, uh, they were trying to thread the eye needle anyway with the season, trying to get everything done. It, I don't know, man. We, yeah. Uh, why can't well, we, can we not just have football? Can we not just get yeah. back to normal? I guess with doing it with college athletes, I get it a little bit differently than with the pros, but even the NFL, if the NFL has to move enough games around, they can always just move the Super Bowl back. Who's going to like challenge that? Right. So yeah. it, it's like with college football, you'd almost think they'd be able to kind of move some things around a little bit or push it back. Of course, everybody thinks even deeper into the winter, the coronavirus could be worse. So yeah. who the hell knows? It's been weird. And it's, it, again, this is definitely going to be the strangest year on record in the 37 years that I've been on this planet. I'll tell you that. Yep, it's the weirdest time in the 25 years I've been around, buddy. Yep. Meanwhile, well, one of the things that hasn't changed much is Clemson's just beating the tar out of schools. Like, Clemson <laughs> beat Syracuse 47-21, to and they didn't even come close to covering the spread, and Dabo Sweeney's just like, everybody's acting like we lost the game, and they still won by 26 points. I know, I know. Again, imagine being a Clemson guy right now. At least that your success is, you know, just in the past couple of years where Alabama's had it for like a decade. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, being a Clemson guy, he's like, oh, well, we we beat the hell out of him again. Boy, Trevor Lawrence can throw that ball. What about it? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's just insane. Oh, speaking of that real quick, as we delve into the NFL just a tad, did you hear about Trevor Lawrence wanting to kind of just hinting that he might stay for his senior year at Clemson, which is almost a big middle finger to the Jets? Uh, I, I have seen that, and I think we talked about that a couple weeks ago. I 100% for one think that he should stay. Or I mean, even if you – I don't know. If you skip the draft this year and then skip out on your senior season, guess what? You're still going number one overall. Like, yeah, you just are. You, he yep. is that good of a football player. Uh, I, if the Jets called me Shibley right now and they were like, "Hey, you know, get back in shape. We need you," I would think about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't yeah. want to go. I don't want to go and be 0 and 16. Uh, so I can imagine being Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, what an absolutely just terrible franchise and just the way it's run. Because at least like. And that's why I kind of felt bad for Joe Burrow going to Cincinnati, where they've just had so many problems. And you would think they'd turn things around occasionally, but man, it's just tough. That's why it sucks when you go to a team that just has perennial, almost annually the first uh, pick in the draft or somewhere like that, where at least if you get, say, I don't know, say the Broncos just have a bad year one year, at least you know... Historically, they're a much better franchise than the Jets or the Browns or the Bengals at this point. Exactly, man. Uh, I mean, it's kind of going to happen in the NBA. Didn't uh, the NBA draft hasn't happened yet, has it? No, it hasn't. But they, yeah, but like the Warriors are up for a lottery pick or whatever or something like yep. that. 
Yeah, this is yeah. Imagine being in that situation and they get the number one pick. It's like, yep. oh, you talk about reloading. But yeah, then it, I, I don't know. The, there's, I don't think there's a better way to do the draft other than the way that the NFL does it. Yeah, um, the the lottery doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, you know, baseball has too many rounds. That's uh, just too confusing. The yep. football, the football doesn't right. Uh, but man, Trevor Lawrence is going to be the. Uh, it's so, it's so weird to say he's the best quarterback since Joe Burrow. Um, but, I, <laughs> but Trevor Lawrence is the best back to best quarterback to come out of college. In it's in a decade, probably. Yep. I mean, at least ten years, maybe twenty. It could be overall because yeah, Burrow had you know an absolutely almost perfect season last year, but it was one season. Trevor Lawrence has has a pretty darn good body of work in the two and a half years he's been there at Clemson. Right. I mean, and a lot of these guys that had like insane college careers come out and and do, you know, uh, just kind of do mediocre, but so many of those guys only really had one year that was incredible. You know, you have like Cam Newton who, you know, has played in the Super Bowl, has done fine. But you look at a guy like Vince Young, who had a very good college career, but only had one incredible season. Yep. Um, but I mean, but you take a guy like Peyton, who has a whole career that's incredible, goes off and, and becomes the greatest of all time. So I think Trevor Lawrence is much closer to that than one of these guys that just had one good year. I agree. So, and we will see. Um, it is fun to watch him play. And again, anytime. You see him in a Tennessee jersey from some of those old photos, and it makes me just claw out what's left of my hair. Always makes me want to cry. Yeah. Meanwhile, another quarterback that looks like he just picked up where he left off, Justin Fields at Ohio State. Boy, Nebraska, for pushing the Big Ten to really play this season, boy, they sure got rewarded by playing at Ohio State to open the season, losing 52-17. to Who boy. Yeah, man, Justin Fields is a special kid, man. You know, he he's just... Um, they say he's the nicest kid in the world. He's very well spoken. Um, uh, you know how much I hate Michigan. You would think I love Ohio State, but I don't like the Big Ten at all. Yeah, well, you know uh, I don't like them either. But if it's going to be anybody, uh, you know, Ohio State, Justin Fields, I'm all for them beating up on Nebraska. Meanwhile, uh, a team that you got to just kind of tip your hat to for being ranked probably for the first time in their history, Coastal Carolina, the Chanticleers there in the Sunbelt Conference. They are 5-0, and which is just fun to see. It's fun to see them on that, like, teal turf that they have there. Uh, but uh, always got to love a, a team kind of just sticking up where you don't know anything about them uh, and making themselves into the top 25. Yeah, it's awesome, man. It, it's, you know, another Appalachian State style team that's just going to kind of come out of nowhere and really surprise you. Um, they're, I will disagree with you. Their tilt, their field is, it, it's so dumb. <laughs> I, I don't love Boise State's field. I never have, but I get it. You know, whatever. The teal field, it, it's just dumb. Not a big yep. fan. Big fan of Coastal Carolina surprising people and being ranked. That's incredible. This, let's just go back to green, huh? Yeah. I'm, I'm mostly with you. On that one. Uh, meanwhile, yeah, you talk about Appalachian State. That's going to be a big game, I think, then in the Sun Belt. Now, Appalachian State's already lost one game, but they're playing November 21st. That could be the game of the year there in the Sun Belt Fun Belt. 
as they've been calling it this year. I mean, oh. after what they did to the Big 12 to open the year, you got to love it. Exactly, man. And it's – I think the playing field, especially this year, you know, moving – and I think moving forward, that you had those elite teams. You had the Alabama and the Clemsons. And then you kind of had that second tier, uh, you know, where your Georgias and, and some of those teams are. But, man, like the anything below that is just – mud in the water right now it is yep. just everybody's on the same the same level there and you look at another team that has a chance to have a really good record now we'll see how many of the games that they've had that they've had to postpone get changed around but Marshall's sitting there at five and zero, and I think 19th in the country right now uh, I mean the three games that they have left on their schedule as of right now and they just had to postpone the Florida International game this coming week but they've got UMass, who's only played one game so far this season, uh, and then you've got middle. Then they play Middle Tennessee and Charlotte. So, I mean, Marshall could be undefeated wrapping up the year because none of those teams have a great record. And then we'll see if they end up rescheduling their games against Rice and East Carolina. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, like I said, those uh, those kind of middle tier teams, man. It's been super fun to watch them. Yeah, I agree. It's fun. Of course, Marshall, I always have hearkened memories back to Randy Moss and Byron Leftwich, you know, playing those, <laughs> playing at Marshall. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, hey, one, of my, one of my favorite quarterbacks in the history of the game uh, played at Marshall, our, our good old family friend, Chad Pennington. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> I forgot about Chad Pennington. Yeah. God, he was in the NFL forever. Forever. Like, oh, you were talking about just living mediocre forever. Uh, yeah, Mr. Reliable. I, mean, I like that guy. I've, I've uh, I met Chad and, and his family when I was a kid, um, and, and kind of got to keep up with him when he was with uh, when he was with the Dolphins. Um, super cool guy. Really cool. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Didn't he go to Webb? He went to Webb School. Yes, sir. Yep. That's what I thought. Well, good for him. Uh, meanwhile, a couple of the ranked versus ranked matchups from last week. Oklahoma State taking care of business against Iowa State. Thank God I took them at th- Iowa State at three and a half. So I won the bet. They won by three, which is always nice. But Oklahoma State showing that they might have enough of a defense to keep them in these games and maybe be the only one to carry the water for the Big 12 this year. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, yeah, I think they're having a super great year. Uh, definitely a believer in them. Um, but if anybody's going to be in the Big 12, it's got to be them. Yeah. Meanwhile, Michigan uh, winning the little brown jug from Minnesota. Of course, Minnesota lost a lot from last season, especially on defense, and it showed. But Michigan looked really good, at least to open the season. We'll see if that continues. But Milton could be a pretty darn good quarterback finally there for Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, it's unfortunate. You know what I mean? I I hope Jim Harbaugh and a Jim Harbaugh coach team never wins another football game. Um, And, I I mean, Minnesota is, you know, in my top five favorite teams to watch. Uh, You know, I I believe in rowing the boat. Um, So it's it's just a nightmare to see Michigan win any game, let alone against a team I enjoy. Meanwhile, the last ranked versus ranked match was Cincinnati and SMU, one of those big group of five matchups. Cincinnati just beating the tar out of SMU, 42-13. to 13. SMU definitely 
leading the charge to not only have a chance, of course, at a New Year's Six Bowl, but they might be able to stick their toe into the playoff conversation depending on how well they keep winning. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to win out and win big. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. They play Memphis this week, and it's going to be another one where they're just going to have to win by as many style points as humanly possible. They always talk about style points, which I hate that you have to do that, but if you're going to impress some people, since you can't play a tough opponent, you're going to have to do it with style. Yeah, I mean, I think in, in this situation, I, I, I've i never been a big fan of any team running up the score or whatever, but it's, I, I know you watched Last Chance U as many times mm-hmm. as that. That's a, a big you know component that they talk about all the time. You know, East Mississippi Community College beats teams like 80 to, 80 to 7 every week, um, but they have to to stay relevant, to stay relevant in that national championship conversation. Now, obviously, you know, the uh, in, the junior college league is a little bit different than we are, yeah. but if you're SMU and, and they go out there and they beat a team, you know, by 60 or 70, and you're that other team, you just kind of got to accept it at this yeah. point. <laughs> you, you, you can only – you. Your players are only so good when you talk about depth and what you're able to work with at a lot of those places, which is why Last Chance U is usually able to dominate so well. Exactly. Meanwhile, moving over to the NFL real quick over last week. Boy, it's really weird seeing the Patriots with a losing record. And that's what you've got right now with them at 2-4 and four is my beloved 49ers just beat the tar out of them 33-6. to six. And even Cam Newton says, I wouldn't start me right now. Yeah, man. What just you want to talk about a crazy transition? Let's uh, the Patriots, you know, lose out and the the Jets pull it together and win a couple games and let these old Patriots get the number one pick. And I promise you have Trevor Lawrence replace Tom Brady. That's a whole, I mean, come on. Talk about about a franchise. Yeah. That wow. Yeah, that would be amazing. I would almost see if you – and even if you can't get the first overall pick by earning it, you could always trade, which would be amazing. We have Cam Newton. What are we yeah. talking about? I, you know, like I promise you, like a, a Jets team or like – I mean, the Dolphins are going to start Tua now. So, you know, let's see if Tua works out. But there's a couple teams, man, that – hey, we'll trade you Cam Newton. If nothing else, it's going to sell tickets. Yeah, no, I agree. That would be a lot of fun. Meanwhile, you've got the the game of the one of the games of the last week were the uh, the Titans and the Steelers. Titans falling just short. They just ran out of fourth quarter magic and just could not beat the Steelers and suffered their first loss of the season. But the Steelers looking like they're the real deal. Yeah, Roethlisberger's playing better than he has in in you know ten years. Yeah, I like that that running back they got that James Connor. Um, yeah, what a great story that he's got. Play, you know, played at Pitt. Now he's playing for the Steelers. Kind of just a hometown kid. Yeah, and uh, a cancer survivor. I know it's just incredible. Just yeah. what, what a story. Um, love to see them succeed. You you know me. I'm not a Titans fan, um, just because I grew up with them being Peyton's rival. Uh, but it was just a terrible weekend for Tennessee sports. Yeah, it not not good on many many fronts. Meanwhile, with the Steelers though, you talk about they had a tough game against the Titans. They're playing the Ravens this week on Sunday, but then 
if they can get through the Ravens, especially if they beat them and go to 7-0, and then they're playing the Cowboys, the Bengals, and the Jaguars the next three games after that. And then they're playing the Ravens again on Thanksgiving. So that could set up really nice for the Steelers, depending on how things uh, shake out against the Ravens this week. Yeah, if they can get past the Ravens this week and go into that Thanksgiving game 10-0, you want to talk about a good Thanksgiving night game for the first time in years? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, of course, the other crazy game of the week was that Seahawks-Cardinals game. My goodness, what a just back-and-forth crazy game. Quarterback duel with Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray. And then the Cardinals getting the win, finally getting that field goal to go at the end. What a just a back-and-forth insane game. And, of course, the big play that everybody really remembers from the game was was a, D- a DK Metcalf running down uh the Arizona Cardinal guy on the pick six. He had a, like a 10-yard head start and was able to catch him. Not only did he have a 10-yard head start, but he was coming at an angle uh, and had to like, you know, maneuver through guys at first. It's one of those plays that, man, like you have, there's so much bad like sportsmanship and there's so many bad representations to this next generation uh, of the way the the games are supposed to be played, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You have like a LeBron walking off the court, and I know that's a sportsmanship thing; it's a whole other deal. But man, you want to talk about a, a DK Metcalf just running down that guy, and not giving up on the play? Um, it's just it's awesome. It's an awesome feat of athleticism. That's one thing, but man, it sends such a good message of uh, you know of who you are and the way you're coached. It looks yep. great on the Seahawks coaching staff. Um, it's, it's a great representation of the way the game's supposed to be played. Yeah. Hustle will get you work in anything. If you hustle, no matter what you're doing, you will get some really good work. And, of course, it reminds me from Super Bowl twenty seven, you know, Don Beebe chasing down Leon Lett, which, again, was a little bit different because Leon Lett was a big lumbering defensive lineman and BB, but there was a lot bigger of a head start that he had. But it still shows that, man, you don't give up on plays like that. You're going to get rewarded more than you think. Exactly. Moving on real quick, of course, to Major League Baseball. We've got to talk World Series. It is over the Dodgers, partying like it's 1988. The last time they won the, the fall classic, the Dodgers getting the win over the Tampa Bay Rays. Three to one, so finally the Dodgers can retire the Kirk Gibson home run. Uh, well, you can't retire it. It's one of the probably top ten greatest, most dramatic home runs in Major League Baseball history. When you look at just things, but uh, now they've got something else to celebrate. The Dodgers getting the win. Now the big thing in this series was the fact that Kevin Cash, the manager of the Tampa Bay Rays, pulled Blake Snell only after Blake Snell had given up two hits. So, and again, you can argue about, you know, the the uh, the statistics and the metrics and all these different things that people go through with the analytics nowadays. But man, sometimes you just got to go with your gut. Because I know analytics had told him to pull him because that's just where his, it seemed to he. Snell would drop off, but Snell's a former Cy Young winner, for crying out loud. And you're playing to hopefully push to a game seven. You got to keep the guy in if he's pitching that well. At least that's what my gut tells me. 
Yeah, man, I, I think that is the the magic of sports, man. And I just I just recently watched Moneyball, great movie. Yep. Uh, it's talking about this exact thing, man. When does it, you know, analytics plays such a, a pivotal role in the game, and it's not that's a, a relatively new thing. You know, definitely in the past just few years in some sports, like baseball, you know, teams are building their entire team based uh, around these analytics. Um, but at, at some point, you've got to, to throw that away and know and trust in your gut that this kid's got the best stuff. And as much as we love hearing it, I'm going to say it, he's going to give you the best option to win by leaving him in. Yep. Nope. I agree. And you'll have to see, because again, the it was interesting, this World Series. It was a really fun World Series, really, when you get it. You had Mookie Betts stealing second and third, something I used to love doing in Little League, but just manufacturing runs, which didn't happen, doesn't happen as much now when you have the analytics, because so many teams just play home run ball when they play, which was great. You had, my goodness, in... In game four, you had the Dodger catcher lose track of the ball. He had the guy dead to rights coming home, and then he swipes his glove because the guy fell, and he loses the ball, and then the Tampa Bay race player able to come in and win the game. And then you have in game five one of the race players trying to steal home, which, I mean, Jackie Robinson's pretty much the list for stealing home in the World Series, and he wasn't able to get it done. So, I mean, again, you got the two best teams really with their records going into this World Series, and the Dodgers were the best team. Even though this was a 60-game sprint, you got to congratulate the Los Angeles Dodgers for getting the win and finally winning another uh, World Series for the first time since 1988 when I was five. Yeah, uh, man, I, I would have loved to see the Rays win it. Um, but you know, it's one of those things as soon as they put the, the Braves out, I couldn't have cared less. Um, I'm not the biggest baseball guy by any means, but with that being said, uh, it it was definitely, definitely a fun one to watch. Absolutely. And my favorite of course, is at least the cheating Houston Astros weren't involved in it, though. There is some big controversy as it looks like Justin Turner, the Dodgers third baseman violated coronavirus protocols because he celebrated back on his on the field, he was pulled out of the game in the eighth inning after it, a test came back positive for coronavirus. But then he's back on the field, kissing his wife, having his mask off. This it it's really interesting, and it just kind of taints just a really great moment for the Dodgers. And I know again, it's the World Series, and you want to be out there celebrating with your team because not everybody gets to celebrate a World Series win, but. It just doesn't look good on the the optics. Just really aren't good for the whole thing. Yeah, one hundred percent agree. And it's just it goes to show how little that we're taking a lot of this stuff seriously, man. It's really sad to see. Um, I get it. You want to celebrate, but I mean, you're just putting people at risk. Yeah, I agree. But we'll see, and we'll see what happens with baseball going forward. Hopefully, they'll be able to play a full season. Uh, going forward. I mean, I liked the 60 game sprint, but it just, I wasn't able to get into it as much as I have been in years past. So we'll see, but congratulations again to the Los Angeles Dodgers. One of the most beautiful shades of blue you will ever see. 
Meanwhile, moving on to professional wrestling, you've got some big things happening on AEW Dynamite as we speak. But the biggest news coming out of the world of wrestling was, of course, the passing of a great Southern wrestler, Tracy Smothers. He passed away today after dealing with health issues for the last year, year and a half. He was just 58 years old, but he made a big impact, especially in the Southern territories. And one of his great... uh, teams he was on the wild-eyed southern boys uh team it was a tag team with the son of steve armstrong this was or the son of bullet bob armstrong this was steve armstrong he and smothers were the wild-eyed southern boys they had one of my one of the best tag matches i've ever seen uh against the midnight express i believe that was at the great american bash in 1990 if you've got the wwe network check it out but he was just one of the great workers one of the great southern wrestlers you will ever see yeah man they definitely lost a good one my uh my dad is one to he texted me and actually was just like do you did you hear about this um there's definitely somebody he had seen you know way way back in the day in knoxville um but they lost a good one man they really did yeah he he was one of those guys too there's a video on youtube check it out he's wrestling an unmuzzled bear I think that was in Alabama because, of course, something like that would happen in the state of Alabama. Uh, so you have that. And, of course, Chris Jericho always tells a great story when uh, Smothers was wrestling in Smoky Mountain Wrestling with Jericho. And there was some young kid wanted to do a whole bunch of stuff, you know, and he's just pitching all these ideas to Smothers. And Smothers says, sure, kid, whatever you say. And then the kid runs off all excited and Smothers looks at Jericho and like, I ain't doing any of that stuff. <laughs> he was the... The consummate veteran. And, of course, I think Jericho said the the only man who could, anytime they're driving down the highway, could throw a beer bottle and hit a road sign every time. Yeah. Oh, you got to love it, man. I, yeah, I do, I do love that idea. If he'd been like, sure, kid, and as soon as they get in the ring, they're like, we're going to do it live. Yep. <laughs> got to love it. All right, you ready to pick some college football games? Let's do it. All right, does Tennessee win the bye week? Uh, are they going to change quarterbacks going into Arkansas? Yeah, that's the question. I think, man, I still think they're going to just start Mauer or Bailey, and then they're just going to put, uh, and then they're just going to put Garantano back in. That's what I think is going to happen. It may, hey, if we start the game with somebody else <laughs> in the center, then we won the Bowie. Yep. So, meanwhile, you got a couple of interesting matchups. This one. Could be a coin flip because, again, Kentucky has shown flashes of brilliance as we saw what they did to us. They're playing Georgia. They're hosting the Bulldogs. Does Kentucky have a chance pulling off an upset? Georgia is favored by 14 and a half. I can't believe that's only what the spread is. I think yep. Georgia kills them. I don't think it's going to be close. All right. You've got Cincinnati taking on Memphis. Does Cincinnati get those style points? It's in Cincinnati, and Cincinnati is a touchdown favorite. Yeah, uh, unless Tater Jim himself, you know, laces up and plays for Memphis, Cincinnati's going to kill him. This one was shocking. Again, I guess we should assume that this was going to happen after Rutgers beat Michigan State. But the battle for the Paul Bunyan Trophy, always a big one between Michigan State and Michigan. But Michigan right now is a 24-and-a-half point favorite over the hapless Spartans. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I'm going to stay away from that game because, I, you know, Michigan State will just always get up for Michigan. Um, so I, I, it, I just don't – I don't see them losing by that much, man, but I do think Michigan State's going to be pitiful this year. 
yeah, it looks that way, especially when you lose to Rutgers to open the season. Uh, moving on here. Speaking of Rutgers, you've got Indiana, who looked good upsetting Penn State. By the way, was that a two successful two-point conversion? What do you think of that call that uh, the refs made in that Indiana-Penn State game to wrap it up? Uh there's no good referee crew anywhere, is what I would say. <laughs> I guess my big argument will always be, if it doesn't look like there's any, again, as they always say, you know, the, if the video doesn't just overwhelmingly overturn the call, I think you got to make, you just got to stick with the call that was on the field. And I guess that's what they decided to go with. But Indiana now, facing Rutgers, Indiana is a 12-point favorite against the Scarlet Knights. Do you think Indiana keeps the good things going and beats up on Rutgers? Yep. I actually think they win by at least two touchdowns. All right. I might have to play some money on that one. I'm not going to say take out a loan or nothing like that yet, but I definitely think that's a safe bet on Indiana. I agree. Now, a game I do have at least my antennas up for an upset. This would be a minor upset. It's Oklahoma State hosting Texas. Now, again – Texas, we all keep saying they're not back, but this is one of those games where Oklahoma State just notoriously finds a way to screw up and lose against a Texas team that's fine but not great, and Oklahoma State looking for a chance to carry the banner in the Big 12. Yeah, uh, you. I think you nailed it on the head, Oklahoma State. This this is the game they lose so many years. They're, they're in the conversation, and they get the hell beat out of them, and it's you know, they're just, they dissipate. Um, but if it was against any other team of the same caliber, I, I would agree with you. But Texas is not back. I'm taking the mullets by whatever. All right. Meanwhile, you've got – and again, a couple of these, I, I, I'm not going to pick any of these outright, but they're ones the, – the lines look pretty juicy. You've got Texas A&M. They're only a 12-and-a-half-point favorite over Arkansas, but I almost think Arkansas could probably keep that pretty close. Mm, so here's my thing, okay? Okay. I want you to go to the bank. <laughs> I want you to take all the money that they'll give you. I want you to go and hit. I want you to take all that money. I want you to go to the casino, go to roulette, bet it on black, and then when you double up, you take all that money and bet it on AM. AM is going to win the Arkansas has had a couple good games. They've lost some really close ones, but I can assure you AM is going to run away with that game. I said they win by three touchdowns. Okay. You can take that to the bank. Here's, I think, my takeout alone. And I don't say that one much because usually I just go on what you say. But Florida is only a 13 point favorite against Missouri. And I oh, think. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know it was that close. Yeah. I may go to the bank tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That now hey, Vegas, we have been real wrong a whole bunch of times. So we have been. But uh, Vegas messed up on that one. Yeah. Missouri's gonna have to play just as well as they did or better than they did beating Kentucky last week to to even have a chance to keep it within two touchdowns. Because I think Florida, they've had a chance to recoup after the loss to A&M, and of course they had to postpone the game against LSU because of COVID concerns. So they're going to be in the swamp, and I think they're going to be pretty upset about everything. So I think Florida carries the day in that one. But the only big ranked versus ranked matchup you've got, and this lost some luster because Penn State lost 
to Indiana to open the season, but Ohio State traveling to Happy Valley to meet the 18th-ranked Penn State Nittany Lions. Now, normally, I would say you got to be careful because Penn State, even though they're ranked 18th and a 12-point favorite, normally in Happy Valley, they got the whiteout going for a big game like this, a night game on ABC, but there's no crowd. So I think the Buckeyes carry the day and carry the day big. Yep, agreed. Uh, this is, I think this is re- really, really, really going to be one of those games, probably one of the first games of the year, that home field advantage not being a thing is going to cost the team uh, a potential win. I think this is it, man. Uh, I agree. If Penn State was going to have any chance, they would need all 110,000 of them. Uh, but, but they'll have about 45. Yep. I feel you. Well, hopefully it'll be an enjoyable week of college football. Sometimes I just enjoy the bye week because I'm not emotionally invested in any of the games. I can just kick back and watch them. So hopefully we just get some great college football all week long. Yep, agreed. And it's The good thing about this week is that there are a couple games that I can put some money on uh, and really enjoy those. So it's it's a, it's a good bye week this year. Yep, absolutely. Well, that's going to wrap up this week. Trey, tell all the fine, lovely people where they can find you out on the interwebs and such. You can find me uh, on Twitter at Trey Pack. I'm on there tweeting uh, the yucks and Tennessee stuff. You can find me on Instagram at Trey Pack One. Uh, and if you want to see me do stand up, you can find me uh, just Trey Pack on Facebook. And that's where most of the show information goes. Excellent. Of course, you can follow us here on the Man in the Arena uh, Instagram and Facebook pages where we get all kinds of good tidbits. You can follow me on Twitter on Michael underscore Shibley. And of course, wherever you get these fine podcasts, rate, review, subscribe. That, of course, includes this podcast and, of course, all the other ones that we're a part of, including Sagas and Shenanigans. We just did a very spooky Halloween episode, so hopefully that will be out very soon with uh, myself, Mrs. Shibbles, and, of course, Tracules, uh, which was uh, that was that was a moment or two. Uh, we're not going to spoil anything, but we had some great uh, yucks happening there on the Halloween episode. So much fun. So, so, so much fun. Um, and I will say this, just to, to point out something you said a second ago. Uh, like, you know, we're, me and Shibley talk each other up all the time. Um, I'm a big Shibley fan. I, I love the man in the arena. If I didn't love the product he was putting out, I obviously wouldn't want to be a part of it. But Shibley's Twitter is one of my favorite things on, on the internet. <laughs> like, because I follow ESPN and sports. I follow so many sports pages that just give me crap constantly. But I literally, like, there were three times this past weekend. I was like, I wonder what's, you know, I wonder if this happened or if so-and-so won. I'm like, Shibley knows. Yep. We'd go to would go to your Twitter. So, man, if you're going to follow anything or anybody, if you want some good sports, go follow the man in the arena. Twitter is, is with Shibley because they kind of, as you could imagine, they kind of mirror each other a little bit. Um, but no, definitely go follow Shibley on Twitter. I appreciate it, man. And of course, you can check out all the other great podcasts, Wild with a Y, Chase Dyer's podcast with Sam Donnelly and Patrick Pope. And of course, the AFK BRB uh, podcast. Or, uh, no, it's BRB AFK. I'm sorry. Uh, it's Boston's podcast with uh, Shipley and uh and those guys and of course the geeks inherited the earth podcast as well so a lot of great stuff to keep everybody informed about the world of pop culture and the sports and video games and 
what have you. But, uh, Trey, I think it's time to say goodbye. Uh, so for everybody, too sweet. Love you. See you next week. Bye.